0: Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. Two quick things before I begin. If I get confused, this is a new pair of bifocals, and I am getting used to them. And two, we might want to start preaching from the middle of the aisle. The fan is right there. That's a good spot. I like that. Moses appeals to faith. He doesn't appeal to the law. We'll try harder. We'll be better people because we're justified by faith. He appeals to the covenant God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this is, in fact, a good covenant because if you look at those guys, they weren't always the best, but they are, in fact, justified by faith. Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've attained access to this grace in which we stand. That's powerful, powerful stuff. You are justified by faith. Now, many people may not fully understand what this means for them. Some of the words that mean the same thing, or or at least get into the neighborhood of what this means... Totally accepted, and have nothing left to prove. Totally accepted, and have nothing else to prove. If you have a relationship in your life where you feel like you can wear your sweatpants and be who you really are, and you are totally accepted by that person in an emotionally safe space, that sort of gets at the idea of being justified. I know that justified is a legal term. I do. I get that. But basically, there's nothing. There's, there's no beef against you. There's nothing you need to prove. There's nothing you need to earn. It's just this state of total acceptance and being approved. The by-faith Part means that you are in this state not because you earned it or worked hard. You just have, in trust, accepted that this is what God has said about you. Paul goes on to say how this happens because we have peace with our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who gives us this new reality of where we stand in relationship to God. And at the end of the passage, Paul explains it again, but proves his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. This is so scandalous. It's almost awful. This is exactly what I was talking about last week with Matthew. He didn't clean up his act. He didn't do anything to change. He just followed Jesus. Now, I'm a part of this as well, but we love the idea of grace, don't we? We love the idea of God being non-judgmental, except, like I kind of mentioned last week, until we meet somebody we don't like. Think about the people you don't like. People you might block on social media, possibly turn away from and avoid them if you see them in the cereal aisle. You know it's happened. And yes, there are plenty. There are lots of people you don't like, and, and maybe, and more like, likely, probably for a very good reason. But here's the rub. What the gospel does say is that God loves those people too. And you. And it is for those people that God has died. Christ has died for those people to be justified by faith. That is scandalous and offensive, especially when it's someone we just don't like. Now, there are some sins that we think should probably be forgivable and and almost acceptable, then there are the really bad ones. I don't necessarily want those bad ones to be forgivable but apparently God wants to forgive them. You are loved because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. That's what this passage means. The call of Christianity is not to get cleaned up so God will like you, but because of this, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us while we were still living in our sinfulness. We had not accomplished anything. None of our manifesting had worked out, and we were at the bottom. That is when Christ died for us. Now, essentially, what justified by faith means is that the very action of God that deals with the evil that we are... Not just the evil we do, but the very evil that we are. It says, having been justified, having been declared in right relationship with God. This is a powerful declaration. How are you righteous? (laughs) Because the God who says, let there be light, says you are. It's very efficacious. What God declares to be is a greater reality, even greater than what you or I see. And the only reason that all of this is true is because it is all done by grace. So when you fall, which you will, you have the hope which is made reality by grace. God's grace never runs out. He doesn't say, dang it, Everett, you blew it again. had to get you back for last week. No, God's reality of justification and declaring you righteous is greater than your reality of disobedience and messing it all up. Now, you have objective reasons to doubt your peace with God based oftentimes on what you see. Whether it be a relationship or a thing you're doing at work, that little white lie, or maybe what you're thinking about your kids... But more importantly, you have an objective reason to rest in peace. And that is because of what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. And this is what this peace is all about. The peace that God had realized through the shedding of his blood in Jesus Christ for you. Now really, when you begin to understand that, you begin to understand that faith is not a vague or abstract power. Faith is not some general sense of optimism. And faith isn't an acceptable form of superstition. Faith for St. Paul here in Romans is rooted in something outside of us. Faith is the gift that God gives us to connect us to Jesus Christ in his atoning work for you. And this is what gives us faith for the future. We can endure suffering. He tells us suffering produces endurance, etc., etc, etc, all that stuff. Because hope in what Jesus has done for us is never put to shame. Now this list of things that will happen eventually is not, is not a recipe for sanctification. It is not a way to become a better Christian. Paul is simply describing what actually is true. That as you are in Christ, if you suffer, no, when you suffer. Now, Paul is writing to people who are indeed suffering. That's why he says this. He is trying to deal with the, the reality of suffering in the lives of Christians. It is not some made-up thing. Because people say, and you might think maybe somebody heard me say this, wait, I'm suffering. I thought Jesus was going to make everything better. God loves me, how could I be suffering? How could this be happening to me? Paul isn't just describing that as you suffer it will produce endurance, and endurance will, in fact, produce character, and character will provide hope. Because you will see as you suffer and endure the faithfulness of God to you over and over again. And of course, the greatest example of this is the death of God in Christ. That's why he says that the love of God has been poured into us. The death of Jesus for the ungodly is the example of where God can work in the dark. And so, if you have hope in a hopeless situation... If you are suffering and enduring that suffering, and it seems like it's gone on too long, Paul says, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus on the cross and know that it is true. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.